diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome in. It's the Redbird Report podcast. I'm Brad Thompson, and I'm your host. And the Cardinals currently find themselves at 63-80, and 80, but they've had a good road trip to this point. Took two of three from the mighty Atlanta Braves. They take the first two of three from the Cincinnati Reds and now find themselves in Baltimore to go up against the 90-win Orioles, which is not going to be an easy task. But let's be honest, to this point, how did you think this road trip was going to go? If I was going to tell you leading into this one that the Cardinals are going to face the Braves, who are the best team in baseball, and then they were going to go against the Reds, who are fighting for a wild card spot in those six games. What would the record be in your eyes? You know, what what do you think it would be? One and five, two and four, maybe three and three. I don't think that too many people were expecting them to go four and two, but that's exactly what they've done. And they won games in a lot of different ways. The pitching has been good. The bullpen has been outstanding here in the last couple of games. We've seen some timely hitting. Certainly saw a lot of home runs, especially against the Braves. But the Cardinals getting it done in many ways, and that's exciting. And finishing strong is going to be exciting for this Cardinal team. Because as we've talked about, we've got a lot of young players that you want to see what they can do down the stretch. You want to see what it looks like for them. Do they slow the game down? Do they get better and better? And we'll talk about a couple of those guys here coming up in the podcast. But before we get too far into the young pups again, because those are going to be the biggest interest moving into next year, how about we check in on maybe a veteran pup, if you will, in Adam Wainwright and his quest to 200 wins. Boy, still looking for it. Still looking for that first victory since all the way back in June. June 17th in New York against the Mets was the last time that he picked up a victory. Adam, last time out against the Braves, wanted to face his hometown, face the team that had drafted him, ultimately traded him. I know he had so many family and friends there. It was cool to see that scene. The Cardinals had pushed him back a couple of days to give him a little bit more rest. It also provided that opportunity to pitch in Atlanta. And Adam started off, gave up some runs in the first inning, really settled in in the middle innings, unfortunately in the sixth things went awry. He ended up going five and two-thirds, gave up six earned runs, including four homers in that ball game against Atlanta. And when you look at it, Adam's going to have four more tries to get to 200, four more opportunities. One of those opportunities will come in game two in this current series against the Orioles. That'll be uh, tomorrow. And then he'll face the Brewers at home. You would suspect that's Monday. If it's every fifth day, he would hit the Padres on the road on the 23rd. And then his final opportunity of the season would come in the last homestand of the season against the Cincinnati Reds. Now, if he stayed on every fifth day, I think that would fall on the Friday. You'll see him one of the three days that weekend. But four more chances for Wayno to get to number 200. Can he do it? Well, look, they haven't had a win in a few months. It's going to be difficult. But with Adam Wainwright, I don't think that I would put anything past that guy. I think it will also be interesting in that final game that he has against the Reds at home. Again, presuming that's going to be how it all shakes out. I wonder how Ollie's going to handle it. Maybe it's something I'll talk to him in the next couple of days of how much thought he's put into that. He's a very thoughtful guy. I guarantee he's already thought through how he wants that to look for Adam Wainwright. Uh, but uh, talking about this uh, the other day off the air with a couple of the guys, be an interesting position if Adam Wainwright is out there. He's got 199 wins. He's looking for number 200. Any big plan that you 
you might have had for a send-off for him might get thrown to the wayside because you're competing, trying to get that victory. We will see, but I think that that's going to be interesting too because you guys all remember how cool it was watching Adam, Yachty, and Albert Pujols walk off the field last year. It's an iconic photo of three of the best to ever wear the birds on the bat, and Adam Wainwright's going to get his own send-off. Can't wait to see what that looks like for Wayno. I was also thinking about this the other day. It's going to be an interesting one, obviously, like it has been with Yachty gone. When Wayno is not here, who does he hand it off to? Like, that was the thing for the longest time. You always had that continuity within the rotation. Like, you had a veteran Chris Carpenter handing over the reins to Adam Wainwright, and Adam Wainwright was going to mold all of these pieces, and he did, right? The thought was maybe Wayno was going to hand it over, because remember, we thought Wayno was going to hand it over like five years ago, and the guy just kept a strong grasp on it. He was going to hand it over to Michael Waka or Shelby Miller or... Uh, more recently, Jack Flaherty was going to be the guy. Well, none of these guys are around anymore, and there is a real question of who is he handing this rotation to? Miles Michaelis still has a couple of years left uh, on his contract. You have uh, Stephen Matz is under contract for the next, cu next couple of years as well. Those are the only two members you know for sure about your rotation, but to me, those don't fit the bill of guys that you're handing it over, right? The next generation of pitchers. Now, certainly both of them are going to have to step up in bigger leader roles, and I know that they've already done that this year. Uh, different for Matz now because he's hurt, but there is not a clear-cut answer of young buck that you hand it over to, which uh, which thinks honestly, like kind of wish they had that guy waiting. Now there are still high hopes for a couple of different arms, oh, high hopes for a lot of different arms, but guys that we've already seen. I think that one of the more interesting characters here could be Zach Thompson. We've seen Zach Thompson get an opportunity. We've seen some pretty good stuff out of him. Even last time out, he just pitched recently against the Reds. He went five innings, gave up five hits, three earned runs, punched out six in the process, also navigated around three walks. Now, when you see that line, you don't think, oh, that's fantastic. No, it wasn't fantastic. But what honestly proved a lot to me with Zach is he had a game where he was fairly erratic with his command and yet still figured out ways to make pitches when he really needed to instead of crumbling. And you can see, you it's easy to see when a young pitcher goes out there on the mound, doesn't trust his stuff, and then begins to crumble. Zach Thompson didn't do that. He's got a mid to upper 90s fastball when he re really rears back on it. Got a very good curveball. That new cutter he calls a slider has been a nice addition to his arsenal against both righties and lefties. And he's absolutely going to be a guy that is going to be fighting for a rotation spot next season. Now, this all depends on how the shopping goes for the Cardinals, how many spots are out there, how he's throwing the ball. But this is a nice chance for Zach to have that opportunity. And it's really crazy to see how well he has made adjustments and done so at the big league level. Remember when he got sent down, he struggled. They sent him down to be a starter. He had like 39 walks in 34 innings. The control was a real issue for him. But I think that more than just the control, it was maybe the concentration, maybe that mindset that he had. It looks like he's got that locked in right now. And I enjoy every time we get a chance to watch him go out there. When you watch him on his face, he just competes. Another guy that kind of fits in this conversation of who you're going to hand it over to and the guy that I think a lot of people thought was going to be the answer as soon as the trade happened is Matthew Libertor. Matthew Libertor, the highly touted prospect, came over from the Rays and the thought was, okay, well, this has got a chance 
to be a lot like a deal for Adam Wainwright back in the day. I mean, people were high, high on Matthew Libertor around the baseball world, not just specifically around St. Louis. I don't think that things have matured as quickly for Matthew Libertor as many fans were expecting it to. I think we do need to remember that he is 23 years old. This year he's been in 14 games. He started 11 of them. The numbers are not pretty necessarily, but it doesn't mean that that's not an answer. But it does mean it's not one that you are banking on to be in your rotation next year. Another guy, a lot like Zach Thompson, who is really going to have to compete for that spot. But speaking of competing... That's exactly what Matthew Libertor did last time out, out of the bullpen. It was something that Ollie said, look, we need as many arms as we can get. We've got our rotation right now. We're going to need to use Libby a little bit differently. Well, he came into a very good ball game against Cincinnati. He came into a bit of a mess, had two on. He ended up walking the first guy that he saw, Ellie De La Cruz, but then punched out Tyler Stevenson with the bases loaded in the bottom of the six that kept it a 6-4 game. He came out the next inning. He struck out two of the three batters that he ended up facing, and you could see some emotion in him that I don't think that we've seen. You're seeing the fist pump come off the mound. You're seeing the real excitement. I think he needed that. I think he needed that little boost, that jolt, and he kind of talked about it. A lot like Steven Matz talked about pitching out of the bullpen that you don't have time to mess around. It's go get them, go attack. And I think that it's a good mentality for every pitcher to have. And when you take that mentality into your next opportunity to start, and you know there will be another opportunity for Matthew Libertor to start ball games, maybe that will end up helping him. But even if he doesn't get an opportunity in the near future to start, you're telling me that arm can't play out of the bullpen? You're telling me the Cardinals have seven better options than what Matthew Libertor could throw for you out of the pen when his fastball is going to run up there 96, 97 miles an hour with a big breaking ball? I don't think you do. Now, the question will be, how much can he compete out of the pen? He answered the question of, can he take the ball? He pitched back-to-back days, and he said he recovers very, very well. Now, we'll see what that would look like for an entire season, but I'm intrigued with the concept of Matthew Libertor potentially even out of the bullpen. He could be an innings eater, a bulk guy that gives you two, three at a time, or he could do something like we just saw, come in and get you out of a big jam. It's a valuable weapon to have pieces like that. And organizationally, you have to figure out what you can get out of that guy. This is a a target in a deal that you made. He's a highly touted prospect. He was a big arm. You need to figure out the best way to utilize him, and maybe that way comes out of the bullpen. So We talked last time about different things that you want to see down the stretch. I want to see how Libby's used, and I want to see what he does with it. I want to see that compete. I want to see that grit from him. I want to see those fist pumps from him, that energy, because I really think that that's going to help him. Matthew is a really, really smart kid. He's analytically inclined. He knows all the ins and outs of pitching nowadays. I want him to go compete. I think that he could just stash all that information right now, go and just shove against somebody, and I think that he would be just fine. So we'll see what that looks like for Libby here down the stretch. And it is the final stretch, isn't it? Only 19 games left. It's crazy to believe, and I know that it's been a maddening season. It's been frustrating on many accounts, and again, I promise you it's been far more frustrating for these players and these coaches that are going through it day in and day out. But 
it is crazy to believe that there was only 19 left. I do feel like this season has kind of flown by, and there are still 19 more opportunities to prove what you can do down the stretch for 2024. Even a veteran guy, can you finish strong? Young guys, do you keep making those strides? A young guy that we're seeing make a lot of strides is the young Jordan Walker. You look at Jordan Walker the last couple of weeks, he's hitting for average, he's showing off the power, he's getting on base, he's utilized his speed, and oh, by the way, he's playing a pretty good outfield. To me, that's one of the most impressive parts of what he's doing is the leaps and bounds he's making out there in the outfield. Now, these don't just happen overnight. They happen gradually. They happen with reps, and they happen with hard work, and that's exactly what Jordan Walker is putting into the position, into the craft, every single day. He is out working in the outfield, him and Willie McGee. They got the whole crew out there trying to get better all the time. Uh, and uh, if, if you want to read a little bit more in depth of kind of the work that goes in and what he does every day, Katie Wu over at The Athletic, she wrote a really good piece about Jordan Walker, about his work with Willie McGee, about him just kind of growing as a big leaguer. It was really good over at The Athletic. I, I suggest you check that out. But I've been impressed. been impressed with the young man. There are still some swing issues that I'm sure he'd like to get ironed out. There are still some places that you can pitch him where he's susceptible. I think that if you make a pitch on the inner half, you're going to get him. I think that if you make a pitch down and away, you're going to get him. There's a lot of guys that if you go hard and down away, you're going to get those guys. But when you make a mistake, they punish you, and he is one of those guys as well. So you're seeing that get better. You're seeing the pitch recognition for Jordan Walker get so much better than it was before. He's got a really good idea of how guys are going to attack him, and he's not expanding his zone as much. Does he do it sometimes? Yes. Is he still on the ground a little bit more than you want him? Yeah, but not to the clip that he was before. He's showing the ability to get that baseball up in the air, get that backspin, get the doubles, get the homer. You want to talk about sustainability success for the future Jordan Walker's got to be a guy like he has got to be a dude for you you got Nolan you've got Goldie you've got Contreras but Jordan Walker needs to be a power threat that ends up being in the middle of this order for I'm talking about the next you know five six years at least he's got an incredibly valuable skill set and guys the big part of it is this is a guy that you've drafted and developed that means it's not a big guy that you had to go out there and give a hundred plus million dollar contract to right away by the way that's probably another conversation that organizationally you might be having if you think you've properly evaluated Jordan Walker if you like all the strides that he is making currently do you think about floating him a multi-year deal, buying out a couple of years of free agency? I don't even know what that number would look like that would make both sides comfortable and happy, but I bet it is something that they might be thinking about with him, could potentially be thinking about that with Nolan Gorman, who's approaching a 30-home run season. He's been fantastic in his sophomore year here in the big leagues. Um, so you, you do have some things to throw out there. We've seen the Cardinals do this in the past with different guys, did it with Paul DeYoung. I know that that one didn't look as good. There was some bad money on the back end of it. At the end of the day, he didn't make that much money overall. That didn't kill him. They did it with Colton Wong. The first contract with Matt Carpenter was really good. They did it with Carlos Martinez. So, look, a mixed bag of the results, but none of it is crippling money. That ends up being the hard part. If you go out and sign a big free agent and that doesn't work and you're paying prime free agent money, that's where you get into real trouble. So I'll be interested to see if there's any chatter about 
a long-term deal for a young Jordan Walker or Gorman because I think it might be smart to lock these guys up. Speaking of young guys, we need to talk about Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn got the call to the big leagues a couple of weeks ago, and Look, I think that he has done a really good job of playing the position of shortstop. He's been in there day in, day out, rangy athlete, as we've talked about all season long. If you don't have good athletes with this pitching staff, you are going to be in trouble. And it's amazing how much better things have gotten when Mason Wynn is taking over at shortstop every day, playing a good short, and Tommy Edmond, for the most part, is bounced out to center field and is your best outfielder. Then, all of a sudden, you are strong up the middle, which is where the ball is hit a lot, and these guys are, are getting the job done. So Mason Wynn, he's going to be a very good defender in this league. We know that he's got a big-time arm, and it's just going to take a little bit for this bat to get going and to get the timing at this level. And when you're watching Mason Wynn, I think it's pretty evident that he's, he's kind of jumpy and he's a little caught in between in his swing. I don't think that he's getting down and in a good position when that ball is coming through the hitting plane. I feel, feel like he might be pulling off to into that third base dugout a little bit. But these are all adjustments that are going to happen over time. He's had 19 big league games. He's had 69 plate appearances. He's checked a bunch of firsts off his box, right, off the boxes, right, first doubles, home runs, RBI. He's got a pair of stolen bases as well. Uh, he did draw his first walk. Would love to see him be a little bit more selective out there. 15 strikeouts in his 67 at-bats opposed to one walk. But these are this is why I'm so excited that he's here now. This season is going nowhere for the Cardinals. It's it, obviously, right, it, with the record the way that it is in 19 games left. You need to find out what you have in some of these young guys, and you need to give them that experience. So for Mason Wynn, when he shows up to spring training next year, when everybody believes that he's going to take that starting job, he believes that he is ready to go out there and not just just swim in the big leagues and doggy paddle, to go out and thrive in the big leagues because they'll have an entire offseason to look at video, to think through situations, to get coaching to make those big adjustments like we saw Nolan Gorman make to go into his sophomore season. So super excited for Mason Wynn. He's really jumpy still. He's really raw still at the plate, but all these things can get ironed out, and I just have really enjoyed watching him and Jordan Walker do this together. A couple of good buddies in the minor leagues now get to do it at the big league level. It's kind of cool to have somebody going through the same exact thing that you're going through. 21 years old, trying to figure out the league, and you do it together. I actually think that it's been kind of a calming presence for Jordan as well. Jordan's got plenty of good friends on the team, plenty of guys that are helping him out, but I think that having somebody that is, is a lot like him in the idea of being 21, trying to grasp onto a starting job with a lot of fanfare and a lot of hype around it, I think that that ends up helping quite a bit. So the future for the Cardinals, potentially bright. The next 19 games for the Cardinals, potentially eye-opening. More so, I'd say, from a pitching standpoint of who ends up standing out. But there is a long shopping list for the winter, and the Cardinals need to figure out exactly how they are going to fill that. Santa is going to be plenty busy for sure. Hey, we're going to catch up again later on in the week. I want to talk about Adam Wainwright yet again. Hopefully he gets that one against Baltimore. Uh, Ryan Helsley, he is back. He's pitched in back-to-back -back games now, something that we didn't think was going to happen. But he's feeling good. Hopefully that ends up being a trend the rest of the week. We'd like to get more into him. But we will catch up next week. I appreciate you tuning in. It's the Redbird Report podcast brought to you by 101 ESPN. I'm Brad Thompson.
You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.